Hey everyone, uh, this is Merrick and Emily. All right, and if you were with us at Awaken last week, we talked about doing something like this where we have our own little podcast kind of on the side, a little side hustle, not really because we don't make money off of it, but um, you know, this has been a dream of mine to do something extra to help students with practical aspects of their lives where they're struggling, and so uh, we've had the idea of doing something called Awaken After Hours, so welcome to Awaken After Hours Session 1, and I kind of feel like I'm in a studio right now, though I'm just on the third floor of our church, and I don't know, I feel like there should be music in the background and some tracks playing or something, but Anyway, I'm excited to get to do this, and our topic for today is we're just going to talk about dating. You know, the last few weeks we talked about the purity struggle, we talked about the marriage struggle, and obviously the the, the purity struggle comes in just in general, single life, dating life, marriage life, marriage struggle, obviously we focus more on marriage, but Em and I honestly have a heart for dating, and we want to be able to help people in doing that. And so without talking too much more about that, our goal today is is to do several things. One, we want to be able to just share our story to let people know kind of our dating experience. But then also we, we want to be able to give some practical advice regarding pitfalls that we struggled with or where we see people struggle. And then also the how to do it right. How do we actually do dating well and and um, prepare ourselves for marriage and make sure we're being wise regarding this. And so that's the plan. That's what we're going to do. We'll it's see. It's going to be good. Yeah, we'll see time wise, but we're going to make it work. So I got, you know, I'm just here just to intro stuff and I'm going to let Emily take it over and just um, let you all know what's going on. Anyway, so what we're going to start with is just sharing our story. So, Em, if you want to share our story, that would be awesome. So it was September 19th. 2011 in Tolliver, I was sitting behind the coffee shop doing a little uh, studying for an online class, eating sushi for lunch. And if you don't know what Tolliver is, it is the student center, like the student center on Tech's campus. If you don't know what it is, you should. If you don't go to Tech, that's cool. (laughs) Um, But I was in my beginning of my junior year of college. Merrick was starting his victory lap. And we had had some mutual friends kind of knew of each other. And I had known the girl he dated before and just kind of knew him as so-and-so's boyfriend and now so-and-so's ex-boyfriend. That's right. so we... um, It's never a good thing whenever somebody knows you as so-and-so's (laughs) ex-boyfriend. But that meant he was single. And I said, (laughs) oh, okay, I've kind of been seeing him around and... We have a little uh, discrepancy on the next moment that happened, but I thought we kind of locked eyes, not in this magical moment, but just kind of in that, oh, we just saw each other. Now we got to say hey and address each other. So Merrick walked up to me and said the famous line. Sushi and studying. Sounds like fun. (laughs) So we got to talking. I don't know, maybe. Guys, you can use that. Just feel free. Just use it. It's a great (laughs) line. It uh, it worked for him, obviously, but he left, I don't know, five minutes later or so, and I remember thinking, hmm, I really hope I run into him again. He seemed like a lot of fun, super charming, and those kind of things. Well, I get up to go to the bathroom, I don't know how much longer after that, 20 minutes or so, Yeah. 
And I saw he was sitting with some mutual friends of mine. I said, well, I guess I'll just walk on over there and uh, be around some more and make sure he sees me again. And we started talking and everybody left. And then it was just she and I. And one other guy. And one other guy. And then I think he ended up leaving at one point. And we, we were there talking for, I mean, a hot minute. It was like an hour or something like that. Do you want me to say what you told me during that time? You don't have to say all that. I was, <laughs> we'll just put it this way. I was, uh, if you know me, obviously I can be a jokester. And <laughs> I could tell already she was really fun. And so I decided to joke with her a little bit. <laughs> And she was joking back with me, but basically, um, I, I was, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it. Being flirty, but that, you know, like when you know a boy likes you and he's flirting by being mean to you. Yeah. That's kind of what was happening, but it worked because. But I didn't really like her yet. I just met her. He thought it was cute. I thought she was cute. I thought she was fun though. Like that's what I really liked. I was like, man, she's fun. She's funny. So then the next day, I was a Tolliver regular, okay? That's where I ate lunch every day. That's where I studied. And I was not a Tolliver regular at all. So I am uh, getting some lunch. I think I was making a pasta bowl. And he comes in and turns on the charm, just fully amps it up and said, Oh, let me, let me carry that for you. Let me take this to your table. Yeah, trying to she be got the McAllister's nice or something, and I went and got her food for her and brought it over to her table and asked if she wanted napkins or needed something else. And So you see, guys, that's just the trick. You just got to <laughs> keep them guessing. Yeah, he was being mean to the... <laughs> Mean to the girl one day and turned on the charm the next. But then it was fun. Like I said, it was a a good time. And again, like Mary said, I could tell that we were going to have fun together. We enjoyed our time. Yeah, and I'm going to take over from this spot. So (laughs) then two days later, I went back to Tolliver, expectation, hoping to see her. I see her in Tolliver. Fun fact, she there's another mutual friend. And that's one of the weird things for us is – you know, that was back whenever Facebook was young and hip, right? And so we were Facebook friends, and we had a lot of mutual friends. We just never met each other. But she she was talking to one of my friends, Lincoln Beard, I remember. And I walked up, and I recognized that she and Lincoln, who this is a big, muscular black guy, just a good dude, a really good guy. But just think, big, muscular black guy, and they're wearing the same shirt, and I'm thinking, what I in did. the world? And she goes, yeah, I got this in the men's section at Walmart. I'm like, okay, what in the world? <laughs> um, it was really, we had a good laugh about it. But then we started hanging out. And I remember I had to go to the bookstore that day. And so she came along with me. And really just the start for us is I just had fun around her. I mean, yeah, no doubt I thought she was pretty. I thought, you know, uh, th- those things. But I just enjoyed spending time with her. And it was fun. And um, it was just easy. But. You know, to speed it up a little bit, we had a week where we didn't see each other and we were about to go on break or something. And um, I don't remember what it was. It might have not necessarily been a break because I don't think we really have a break in October. But this was very end of September or early October. And we hadn't seen each other in a week. And so I get this. I was missing him, you know? Yeah. I get this DM on Facebook that just says, Homie, homie, homie. homie. <laughs> That should explain everything about our, our start together. And I responded back. I was like, what's up? And I don't even remember what we said. All I know is we talked for a while. And finally, I just hit her with the line of, well, are we close enough friends yet for me to get your number? 
I said, heck yeah. And so she sent me her number. We started talking, started hanging out, spent a good bit of time together. Uh, one of the things that most attracted me about Emily, I'll just throw this out there, is I remember we were talking, and this is a few weeks after we met, so y'all might be going, man, this is fast anyway, but we were talking about kissing, other thoughts like that, just in general. I don't even remember why. And she made the comment, well, if if he ain't dating me, he ain't kissing me. And I can remember for me, I was like, okay, like I'm about that life. So I, I'd only been a believer for about a month whenever I met her. And, I mean, for me, I never had good relationships or healthy relationships before. And so for me, honestly, that took pressure off for me. I didn't have to worry about the physical at that point. I was like, you know, this is a good thing. I don't have to care about that. I'm just going to get to know her. And, and you know, that might sound weird, but, you know, I, I don't know if there's really any relationship I had before where I hadn't kissed before I started dating someone, you know, full disclosure. But it was just nice to hear, like, she's saying, look, you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to kiss me or get any benefits of dating if you're not dating me. And I was like, OK, I like this. And so anyway, ended up uh, we we uh, went on a date. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I took her to Red Lobster. She got 14 pounds of crab <laughs> legs. Not really, but she did get two pounds, and then I got an extra pound added to her. So they brought her out like a full crock pot, <laughs> and I took a picture of her, and I have a video of it still. If anybody wants to see, just come holler at me, and I can show you the video. But anyway, so we had a really good date, and then shortly after that, I mean, this is three weeks after we met, or four weeks after we met. I mean, I dropped the question. I said, hey, I really like you. I think you really like me. Will you be my girlfriend? And I'll let her take it over from there. And I hadn't dated anybody since um, my senior year of high school. And I got saved in the middle of that relationship. So when I came to college, I was hoping I didn't wasn't with that boy anymore. And I was hoping that I would meet a, a godly guy and be in a godly relationship. And so... In the two-plus years of singleness, I'd been waiting. I'd been hearing how these Christian relationship things work. And uh, the main thing being, well, he's got to pursue me for three months. What did that mean? I had no idea. But I said... Like, who writes, who writes these rules? Like, you got to <laughs> pursue me for three months. Like, girls wonder why guys struggle in general, right? Now, I'm going to go ahead and say guys need to pony up and ask girls out. I get that. But the three-month pursuit, I'm like, holy cow, do you know how much money it costs to pursue you? I wasn't expensive. Do you know how much money it costs <laughs> to pursue you? <laughs> no, but, but it is true. Like, like, that's almost the expectation. I had this very unrealistic expectation. And more so just thinking I was following the right steps by saying, okay, that means we're not getting too close too soon. We're taking our time. We're not um, getting too emotionally attached, but... Which is all good things. Yeah, all good things. But at the end of the day, I remember I told Merrick, I said, I just don't know if I'm ready for that. And he said, well, maybe we need to not talk for a couple of days because if this isn't moving towards dating, then I don't know that we need to be talking and spending time together. Some would call that a power play. <laughs> but my goal really wasn't a power play. I really just knew, you know, cause, so, so here's the deal is... You don't, I'm not saying that you start talking and in a month you should be dating. But what I am saying is I got to the point where with Emily, I was like, there's nothing about you that worries me. Like I see where you're at with the Lord. Not You don't just say you're a Christian. I see where you're at with the Lord. I enjoy spending time with you. I, I want to get to know you better. 
And, you know, we can go through the talking and dating and this and the not phase. But once you get to a point where if they were to go out on a date with someone else and it would really hurt your feelings, then you're past the talking phase. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I know that those lines get so blurred, but talking means I'm just getting to know someone. And if I'm talking to someone, I'm not dating them. They're not my boyfriend, my girlfriend. So they should, in some ways, be able to do what they want to do and not get my feelings hurt. But so often we want to take the talking phase out so long because we want to vet them as good as we can to make sure all is good. Look, whoever you're going to start dating, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. But you look at the main things, and that's where I was at. And so I asked her, I remember I asked that night, I was like, well, well what worries do you have about me? I well, nothing. You know, I'd share, I'd share with her full disclosure, my whole past um, of my struggles, who I used to be. And, but she saw who I was. And so my, my question was just, you know, what, what are you waiting to see before you want to date me? And she said, nothing. I just feel like this is fast. And I said, okay, I get that. But with that, we need to not hang out as much as we're hanging out. Like I need to protect myself a little bit if we're not going to, to date, because that's where I'm at is I want to date you. And so I said, let's just take a few days. And I want you to be able to really think like, okay, you know, do I think this is moving towards dating or do I not? And less Abs- than 24 hours. Absence had made the heart grow fonder. I less said. than 24 hours, she sent me a text, and all it said was, I don't like this. To which I responded, I don't like you. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, okay. So what are you trying to say? And, um, you know, I think you're like, let's meet up tomorrow or something like that. And I met up with her. She'd written me a letter. Gave it to me, and I went out in my car, and I read it, and then I walked back in. Basically, she said she uh, could see me for who I truly was, which was this handsome, great guy worthy of her. <laughs> I can't even lie about that. That's the bad thing. I, I, I lost my train of thought. She just saw me as, as you know, I, th- I think that I'm in the same space. Like, I'm, I want to date. And so we started dating October 16th. We met September 19th. And waited a whole day before we kissed. I wasn't going to add all that information, but <laughs> we did. We did. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Anyway, this is not a kissing podcast. We can talk about that on a different day. But so, yep, October 16th, it all started. So we became official. And so, just to kind of give you a scope of our relationship, trying to sum it up is the first. You know, three, four months of Emily and my dad, really October 16th through, I would say, you know, maybe January, Valentine's Day latest, we started dating. And like many people, it took us, you know, a month before we started crossing boundaries that we didn't necessarily have, but we started crossing boundaries and we knew we shouldn't do it, but we didn't necessarily not want to do it. Mm-hmm. but we didn't necessarily, you know, we, it was almost one of those things where we didn't really talk about it. It was just kind of like, okay, it happened. We both know that that shouldn't happen. And so what do we do? Well, it just continued to progress and it got to the point where, you know, we started fighting a little bit and just all kinds of stuff was going on. I remember Thanksgiving that year it was awful. And that was just a little over a month after. And mm-hmm. It was brutal. I mean, I went to her family's house. That isn't why it was brutal. But <laughs> but it w- went to her family's house, and, you know, we thought about breaking up a month and a half in. Mm-hmm. And 
really, if looking back now, it all stemmed because what how we started our relationship and what attracted us to each other, we started losing once we started dating because it went from heavy communication. I want to get to know you. Like, I want to spend time with you to physical aspects were starting to take over. Mm-hmm. And our time together began to be more dominated by making out and, you know, other things that go with that. And so, you know, really January hit and I was at a spot where I knew I wanted to lead Emily well. And we'll talk more about some of the approaches that we took and practically what happened. But at that point I was like, we got to change stuff. So we started setting up boundaries. We'll talk more about that later as well, but we started setting up boundaries and, Things really got better in that regard, but it allowed us to see other aspects, real legitimate aspects in our relationship where we were struggling that we couldn't really see because we masked things with physical struggle. You know, sometimes you don't talk about what needs to be talked about because instead you're just doing something physically with each other. And, you know, physical aspects just mask true issues so often in Mm -hmm. relationships. And that was the truth for us. Mm -hmm. And so because then the summer got there. Yeah. We, well, and, and we started seeing some struggles as well in a different area, but we couldn't really pinpoint what it was. And we almost actually broke up in May. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. We're at the park. Oh, yeah. Cook we walked park. around mm-hmm. Cook Park like 48 times and then <laughs> sat down at one of the benches there. And I mean, we're at the point we almost broke up. You know, summer was coming up. We were struggling some, not necessarily physically, um, but just with each other. We just knew that there was some stuff there. And so we had the summer apart. We had the summer apart. And I think kind of talk talked about this some last week and I can identify it now couldn't identify it then but I was putting rocks on Merrick's back to carry and bear that he was not meant to do so I began to not feel beautiful unless he told me that in a day I didn't feel affirmed or worthy unless that came in word form from him or in a sweet gesture or something like that Um, I knew at this point he was thinking about going into ministry. I felt very um, underqualified, very unworthy for that title. Uh, Am I really the girl you want to spend the rest of your life with? A lot of that weight began to be pressed upon him. And I know now that the issue was that because my identity wasn't in Christ, rather I was trying to find my identity in Merrick. And that's what really began to be the tension that we saw right before the summer through the summer because we were at two different sports camps or two different Christian camps that summer didn't get to talk as often so when we came back in that uh, end of August beginning of September right before my senior year started he was starting the BCM internship Uh, we got back and a week later went on vacation with your family Oh, yeah. And we went to Gulf Shores. Mm -hmm. And we were there for a week, and we both knew something was off. Off. Mm -hmm. Like, we could tell something was off. And it wasn't shortly after that. I think I may have made the comment, you're trying to make me feel shoes that I can't feel. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I, I want you to know you're the only girl I see. I want you to know that's my goal. I want you to know that, that I, I do, like you, like I say, I do, I do love you. I, you know, and, and I told her that I'd loved her at this point and I, you know, and I had, and, um, we actually skipped over a funny gesture. I actually told her I loved her 
two months into dating. On accident. On accident via voicemail. Take that one and do with it what you will. But um, I didn't fully say it. I just remember I was telling her bye in a voicemail. I was like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. I love. All right, see ya. And <laughs> it was the best. Voicemails can be saved. Luckily, she changed from the BlackBerry she had back then. Yes, BlackBerry to an iPhone. And that is extinct at this moment. But anyway, so we, <clears throat> man, I lost my train of thought now. We, oh, we almost broke up. Several times, and I think there was one point where we took a little break, like a weekend or a week maybe, to think about things, and <clears throat> I just realized, you know, the summer apart and then coming back together, the tension that we'd felt back in May, that really was the true problem that came to the surface, is what M said, is she was finding her identity in our relationship. She was finding her identity in me, her worth in me, and just being honest, I, I had to make the hardest decision that I think I'd made without a doubt as a believer is, you know, I, she came over to the apartment one day after something, I can't remember, and something had happened that day, and the, the second she got to the apartment, I remember her saying, like, I knew, I, I knew that that it was time, like, we had to break up, and y'all, this was weird, like, we both sat there and we cried together, in the breakup. And for me, it was so painful because I loved Emily. Like I wanted to marry her, but I knew that if we did, this would be a downfall for us. And the frustrating part for me was there was nothing I could do about it. You know, if you're in a relationship and, and you know, someone that you're dating is struggling with putting their identity in you, sometimes the only way for that to be healed is you have to be removed from the picture. Mm -hmm. And whenever I finally realized that, I hated it. I was frustrated about it, and I was sad about it. And we both sat there, and honestly, we cried through it and realized this is what needs to happen. I remember Merrick telling me, I love you enough to let you walk away because you need this. You know, no matter if he would be my future husband or somebody else would be, no matter what came next, this was necessary for health of my spiritual relationship for the woman I'd be in the future, the wife, the mom, the friend. Um, he said, I love you enough to let you walk away. And that was hard because we broke up not out of not loving each other, but out of this is going to be necessary for health in both of our futures. So, yeah. And so hear me whenever I say this as well. One of the other things that was hard about it is, she was my best friend. I don't think that's wrong in a relationship, but we need to kind of define what that means. So she was not my only friend. She was my best friend. Um, so, so she wasn't the one I spent all my time with. She wasn't the one that I was always around, but she was the one who I always said, whenever she's around, it's going to be the most fun it could possibly be. But healthy-wise, I mean, we worked through this early on in dating. We were together all the time. And it's funny. I, I wanted to be together all the time. And M's mindset when we started dating was, I mean, if we're together and we see each other, cool. If we don't see each other, you know, it's not a big deal. And I remember thinking, like, what kind of girl thinks like this? Like, you should be the one who's wanting to be clingy, and I should be the one who's like, whatever. And it was the exact opposite. Then around the four-month mark is whenever that flipped. And I think that's whenever M kind of got more into, you know, I really like this guy. 
And you go into preservation mode a lot of times in relationships. Because I don't want to lose this, I'm going to cling on to it. And I think that could even be the source of really whenever her finding her identity in me started. Because it wasn't like that at the beginning. But then it flipped to where she wanted to be with me. And I was like, look, we need to have healthy times where we say, let's spend two nights a week hanging out. Other than that, we don't need to spend more time at nighttime with each other. We can spend an afternoon here or a lunch here or different things like that. But we need times. I can remember telling her at one point, go hang out with your friends. And that was a big source of stress. And another thing that helped me see kind of where we were at. And the only reason I bring all that up is, you know, people are dating. If you're dating right now and that's where you're at, you have got to be honest with yourself. And y'all hear me. This is hard. And that's the whole reason that I'm even saying it was difficult for me is I did have to get to a point where I had to say, if I really do care about her, then I have to care more about her relationship with God than her relationship with me. And I was being selfish for months in that because I didn't want to let this go. And in so doing, I was only further hurting her. And whenever we broke up, one of the reasons it was so hard, and this was what I was going to say earlier, one of the reasons it got so hard is I knew whenever we broke up, it had to be a clean cut. Mm-hmm. So many people want to break up and then still text or still talk or still, you know, hang out in the same friend groups together. Y'all, it just can't happen. Hear me. Feelings do not go away. They just don't unless something, you know, traumatic happens. But what you'll even find is if you date someone, you break up, you see them later on. For some reason, there's still this feeling connection, especially if there's been physical struggles because you've bonded yourself to someone in a way you shouldn't have. And. And so I knew that, okay, I'm not going to let feelings overtake truth. And the truth is, is this is where we need to be right now. And so whenever we made the clean cut, that was what was hard is I didn't just lose a girlfriend. I lost my best friend, but she wasn't my only friend. That's what I'm just trying to make clear. Um, She was my best friend, though. And so it was difficult. And so share a little bit about those, you know, the next several months for you and, you know, speak specifically to. You know, we'll talk more about identity later, but just what this journey was for you. So when I broke up, when we broke up, beginning of my senior year, everything had, every thought, every plan of what I thought was coming within the next year had poofed. And I really kind of hit, not rock bottom in some dramatic way, but felt very lost of kind of what's next? Where do I look? Where do I turn? Uh, what do I pursue? Where is my hope, my joy? And um, so it took, I think, just that moment of desperation for me to say, I re- it sounds very dramatic, but I really don't know how I'm going to make it through the day if I don't have time with Jesus. And for the first time in my Christian life since my senior year of high school, so this had been, you know, three, four years, I was in the Word daily. I had gotten the uh, Devo streams in the desert. And, you know, the mindset is that it's living water in a dry season and reading that each morning, chewing on truth, being in the word. I think I read Genesis that whole year because it, you know, 50 chapters and I'd always wanted to know the the Bible stories, but what the Bible actually says, says about it. And so, um, just being in the word, I can remember listening to an Anthony Evans worship CD that I think you had even made me. That, that I'd given to her, yeah. And it, Which she can't listen to it 
now at all because it just makes her it, think of the breakup. So it literally it got she me. She ruined it. one of my favorite CDs <laughs> for me. I can't even listen to it. You could listen to it now. I can't listen to it. But it it was one of those things where those were were places of life that I had to cling to. I needed to cling to the worship songs because it put words I couldn't express into a prayer, you know, and as I was singing those songs, I felt like it was a prayer flowing out of my heart that I needed about trusting God, trusting his timing, how good he is and a lot of those things. And so every day I was journaling. I can even go back to that journal. And as I read entries, I can remember the emotions I was feeling, but like I'm saying for the first time in three or four years, I was with the Lord daily, felt like I was truly walking with him, that I was truly doing the pray constantly. You know, I'd get in my car to drive to campus and be praying. I'd, you know, I was doing a practicum in Shreveport. So I had an hour back and forth each day praying, uh, listening to podcasts, filling my mind with truth. But I think with that also came some spiritual warfare of the enemy letting me, um, see certain things, come across certain things, whether that was a Facebook post or picture of Merrick with somebody and my mind would spiral. So I'm not saying that it was just this very uplifting, easy time for me. And it wasn't. I mean, I even heard, you know, we had one really close mutual friend that I'd heard, you know, she wasn't doing really well, especially that first month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing is, is there was nobody there for her to fall back on, meaning I wasn't there anymore. And like what she's saying is Jesus became that person for me. Mm-hmm. He was not, he went, he turned in this time, maybe this is a good way to think about it. He went from the fallback plan to the main person in her life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so no longer was he the fallback. He was the main focus. Yep. And, and so, you know, I can remember even seeing a little bit of a transition in this time, whenever I saw her, I, I mean, we didn't see each other for like two months. Mm-hmm. I dropped a letter off at your apartment one of the, in like a month and a half in. I gave yeah. it to you and walked away. Literally, I got a knock on my door. I opened the door. Emily, she put a letter on my chest, turned around and walked away. Didn't say a word. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a letter. This is a I hate you note <laughs> or something. And I read it and she just in it just starts explaining honestly what the Lord's doing in her heart. And I don't remember everything that was in it, but maybe I'm wrong in this, but I do remember her saying, I'm not saying that this is time to get back together right now, but I want you to know I'm, I'm healing past you, Mm -hmm. but I think you are in my future. I feel like God has given me clarity in that, that, Mm -hmm. that you and I will get back together, but it's not because I need you. I don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. I want you in my life, but I don't need you anymore. And man, those sentences never would have been said before, you know, and, and sorry, I'm sharing a lot on this spot, but, mm-hmm. but That's girls, true. guys, y'all have got to be in that space where you can say, I need Christ, but I want you in my life. And so often we see the opposite. I need you and God, I want you to bless this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just a rough man. It's just a rough spot. Our, our relationship with God becomes a means for him to bless our own relationships rather than our relationship with him or her as a means to bless God and to worship him. And, and, um, 
anyway, so M was at a really good space. We didn't start dating for another month and a half. It's about three months. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else you want to add it about your spot? Mm-mm. So me, it was the exact opposite. You know, I left her apartment after we broke up, and I was sad. And then, to be completely honest, my my sadness turned to anger. I was frustrated. Uh, this is the first time in my Christian journey I really went through trial, just a year after, a little over a year after becoming a believer. And, you know, we dated om- almost a year, and then we'd broken up. So, you know, I'd been a Christian for 13 months. Almost 12 of those was with her. And, you know, I was, after we broke up, I was making moves. I was like, you know, nothing told me here. I ended up applying to a seminary in North Carolina, which I ended up finding out was pr- the promised land. It was the best thing ever. Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Go check it out. Anyway, um, I ended up doing that. I ended up selling, selling my truck. truck. Yeah. I used to drive a jacked up Z71. Picture that. Wide tires, loud pipes, two tens under the back seat. <laughs> that was me. Wow, that's weird to think about. That was long hair me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start calling it that. Long hair me versus short hair me. Or, or no hair head me. You. <laughs> yeah. If you read the email I sent out or I didn't send in the email, I don't guess. My leadership team knows. Bald head means that I'm clean. It's a good thing. From so, Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. <laughs> and so, anyway. You in the, the truck for a... Trade in the truck for, for a, a small car for Snowflake. You got to be close enough to get that full story. But Snowflake's my car, the Hyundai Sonata. But to put it in short, I, I was frustrated during this time. And I was searching. And I think that I thought I was so strong in my faith. And losing Emily made me realize there was stuff in my heart God had to work through before I got married. And I didn't even know it. And we broke up and I started doing what I did before, seeking attention from girls. And so, you know, not intentionally thinking this way, but but I would seek attention. And for me, that's what it was at first, was just attention. And then Emily, I think, reached out to me one time in kind of frustration about she heard that I was hanging out with a girl or she saw me or something like that. And, y'all, it was like fuel on the fire for me. I was like, okay, you want to accuse me of going off and starting and getting in a relationship? I'll give you something to talk about, which sounds so awful to say it that way. But that's really how I felt. And so I started talking to a girl, um, and it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. And, you know, eventually that ended up, I realized that that wasn't wise for the other girl, but also wasn't wise for me. And so ended up cutting that out. And then, you know, I spent several weeks just reflecting of just like, man, where am I at? Because, uh, after Emily gave me that letter and basically said, you know, she's, she's growing and she's in a better place. I still was not. And, you know, it was about a month after that. So about two and a half months after we'd been broken up, I actually reached out to her, asked her if she wanted to hang out. At the deer stand. At the deer stand. <laughs> Y'all, do you talk at the deer stand? No. Did yeah, I know that? I asked her. No. I just wanted to spend some time with her to see if what she said was true. And so, actually, I don't remember what I was doing. I don't know. I was young and stupid. So, <laughs> asked her if she wanted to hang out. And she thought, that means get together and talk. For me, I was like, no, I just want to be around you. <laughs> I didn't say that. But we went to the deer stand. And she's trying to talk to me over in the deer stand. And, y'all, if you know me, I'm not a country bumpkin. I'm really not. And I, I've never even killed a deer. I don't have the heart to kill a deer half the time. I don't have a desire to anyway. Now, don't get me wrong. Dear chili, dear meat, heavenly goodness. But I'm not going to. Um, anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about that. But it was a rough day. She was expecting some talks about our relationship. 
I was just wanting to see what it was like to be back around her, honestly, to get a feel for that. And both of us left that day with different frustrations, her wishing there was more that we talked about, and me just not sure if I was trying to get close to her to salvage something or what. And it was about two weeks after that. It was close to Christmas, and I just feel like the Lord was like, Merrick, why are you so angry and frustrated? She wasn't the only reason y'all broke up, and and I can't, I can't fully explain all that happened during that time, but I just know that um, I was like, man, I'm being, I'm being stupid. I've heard good things about him. I've been checking in on her. And once again, I had people say, no, like she's good. She's fine. Whether y'all get back together or not, she's fine. And, you know, for me, that was what I needed to know. And so I reached out to her right before Christmas, just text message, just checking in and then ended up. We started hanging out, you know, once school started back in January and spending just good time together, back around each other. And, man, like, it was like I, I didn't know her in a lot of ways. I mean, just being honest, she didn't need me. It was just such a such a great feeling of I am not her source of joy or happiness. But then a challenge for me as well that God had to break me of some pride in my life. I had to fall over those last three months because honestly, whenever I became a believer, I was running the race and I was so frustrated that I'd, you know, not known Christ for 22 years that I was going to run the race and I was going to run it hard. And, and I did, I did. And that led to some arrogance and pride in my life. And that three month period was exactly what I needed to be reminded that I'm not above falling. And with, without Christ, I am who I used to be. It's Christ who makes the difference. And so we started hanging back out again and then ended up close to valentine's day Mm -hmm. we started dating again and then did dating well we set up heavy boundaries and you know i don't know if we need to talk much about basically her career was she was going to have to do you know child life specialist is what she wanted to do so there became a fork in the road whenever we got back together it was she's going to have to in my mind that she's going to have to choose career or she's going to come and be with me I was going to North Carolina that fall, um, and it was either she's going to go do internship and go do her career, or she was going to come with me. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the once we got back together, she actually came with me and my family to see uh, Southeastern. Um, and while we were there, oddly enough, one of the guys said, "You know, are you, so y'all be married by the time you get to seminary?" I was like, "No, we literally just got back together." And I'll never forget Benjamin Quinn. He mm-hmm. looked at both of us and he said, "Oh, y'all gonna be married." By the time you move up here, y'all, this was like in six months. I wasn't going to be moving. I was yeah, like, this, this guy's crazy. I was like, there's no way we're going to be married. And um, anyway, so we talked through some of that, not heavily, but then I remember there came a point end of end of April, beginning of May, where Emily made the comment, "If you want me to be with you in North Carolina, I'll be there. Like I'll be with you." And I can remember for me. That was all I needed to hear. I left that day, uh, went and found a ring, and that next week, um, I mean, I talked to their dad. We were already planning a trip down there for something. So, yeah, yeah. And so I talked to her dad right after Emily said that to me. Next week, boom, I proposed to her. May 6th. May 6th. And then we got engaged, and then we had to discuss when we were going to get married. And I was like, I want you. I don't want to move up there without you. And then us get married in January. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love for us to get married and move. And Emily's like, you want me to plan and have a wedding in less than three months? You're crazy. And I was like, crazy about you, baby. I need you with me. <laughs> and so we did it. We got married August 2nd. We picked a Friday. We found, you know, the three main things. We got the wedding, <clears throat> the venue. We got mm-hmm. the dress, or she got the dress. And we got the caterer. Mm-hmm. and Photographer. Yeah, photographer, and you know, looking back, I still say the same thing. I'd have gotten married quicker if I could have. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. It was awesome. And ten days after we got married, moved to North Carolina, and so it was the ultimate leave and cleave. We won't get into the marriage aspect and things that we've had in that, but <clears throat> that's basically our story in a nutshell. And y'all, just to clarify, whenever we got back together from February to August, we were not perfect. But we did dating really well. Mm-hmm. We were really wise in a lot of ways. And we'll talk about this in the next podcast whenever we talk about how to do it right. We did it right the second time. And I can remember thinking this, and I said this to Emily at one point. I don't want to tell my kids how to date in theory. I want to tell them how we did it right. I don't want to say, hey, you need to do this. I want to be able to say, hey, me and your mom did this. And this is how we dated well. This is how it set us up well for marriage and um, ultimately spiritualized from that. So that's our story. If you have anything to add to that. No, that's it. So we shared a little bit longer than initially we expected, I guess, regarding our story, but hopefully that was helpful um, just to know our story. And we're going to come back with a second podcast and we're going to give you just practical tips in two ways, primary pitfalls we see and things that we fell into and then how to do dating right. So, This was fun. I'm excited. Until next time. Until next time. Excited to do it again. So anyway, Merrick, NM, Eminem, whatever you want to call us. Um, (laughs) But hopefully this is helpful. Love y'all. Share it if it's been helpful. Give us some uh, comments if you choose to do so, whether that's, you know, our Instagrams. You want to DM us and encourage us in some way. Or if you want us to elaborate on something, we'd love to be able to help any way that we can. And this really is a passion of ours. We see a lot of people struggle here, and we want to be able to help. So anyway, until next time, like Em said. Thanks for listening. Bye.